is the Such Things Podcast. I'm David Lang. And I'm Lisa Lang. Welcome back. We are talking about prayer, learning how to pray the Lord's Prayer. And we have reached the end of the Lord's Prayer. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We covered temptation last week, but here it says, deliver us from the evil one. This is the last line of the Lord's Prayer. It must be important. Are we praying about this? Are we praying regularly to ask for deliverance? Each of these lines of the Lord's Prayer must have been very important to Jesus. And I hope one thing that we're learning, certainly one thing I've been learning as we go through this, is, man, am I actually engaging in powerful, regular prayer covering each of these things that Jesus says, these are important things to pray about? Last time, we talked about lead us not into temptation, and we, we talked about soldiers being put on the proving ground, being tested. We all go through trials. But eventually... The real battle comes to all of us. Soldiers are preparing in times of testing out on the proving ground for the actual battle that may come. So let's talk about that today. Spiritual warfare with the evil one. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5 that we need to be alert because our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, Peter tells us. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, he talks about making sure that Satan does not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. So we've got this enemy, this lion, scheming, hiding in the bushes, And we need to be alert. So today I'm sharing with you just a sermon that's on my heart, okay? And point one, I got three points, like any good sermon. (laughs) Point one, do not be unaware of our enemy. Do not be unaware of our enemy. Sometimes we just don't even, it doesn't even, we're not, not only are we not praying about this, but we're certainly not thinking about it, that we are being opposed daily. Revelation 12, let's learn a little bit about the enemy so that we can be prepared. It says in verse seven, then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser, of our brothers and sisters, who accuses them before our God day and night, 
has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. Wow. And then in verse 17, then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. That's some scary stuff. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Uh, he is waging war against us. We are at war. We are under attack. Here he's, a, he's portrayed as an accuser. Elsewhere, he's often also portrayed as a deceiver. An accuser and a deceiver. I tell you what, we better stay rooted in God's word if we want to be able to, to clearly see his accusations and his deceit. The word is the truth. It's a light. Um, it speaks truth about us and to us where Satan wants to lie to us and about us. <laughs> but we are at war. This is frightening stuff, Lisa. You want to talk a little bit about um, the battle of the mind? Yeah. Um, you know, I think some of the problem that comes about is recognizing that the devil is our enemy and recognizing when we're being attacked by the devil. And I think, especially in our modern day and age, the devil attacks us in our minds. And um, I don't know, you know, I mean, I know human nature hasn't changed that much in 2000 years, so I'm sure they were attacked mentally back uh, back in Jesus's time as mm -hmm. well. But um, I, I do, I think they were a lot more physical people. <laughs> and I think that honestly, so much more battle, spiritual battle happens in our minds today, mm -hmm. even for us more than some sort of physical battle. But um, I thought about this verse in second. 2 Corinthians 10, which has been a really um, powerful, helpful, practical verse for me. It's mm -hmm. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Mm. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This scripture has been so helpful to me in fighting the battle in my mind, the, mm. ba the battle against Satan. This battle occurs almost daily for me yeah. with thoughts that are just not obedient to Christ. Mm. Um, I will have arguments in my head that challenge my faith um, or even arguments towards other people that take place in my head. It's weird. Um, but I know I'm not the only one because I've talked about this before and I'll explain how I'll like make an argument with 
with a person in my head that hasn't even occurred, and it's not even something that they've said to me, but now I've got this whole argument that's played out, and I'm angry with them. Um, and it's just something that is completely in my head and ridiculous. Um, but it's this battle in my mind. There are... Um, you know, the scripture talks about we demolish arguments in every pretension mm-hmm. that sets itself up against the knowledge of a God. A pretension is a claim, um, a, a claim, and it's a claim that's not true if it's set up against the knowledge of God. Um, you know, a lot of times I think it's hard to recognize which thoughts we have that aren't true. And um, for me, a lot of those thoughts that come in my mind that aren't true are negative thoughts about myself, um, kind of self-loathing thoughts. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll give you some examples. Things, thoughts like, no one really likes you. They just tolerate you because they have to. But you are actually a very annoying person and most people don't like you. Now, I will have a thought like that, and sometimes I will get very down and discouraged and emotional, and I will believe this. But I have to learn to recognize that this kind of thought is not a godly thought, and it's not from God. And if it's not from God, then it's it's something that Satan is trying to get me to believe. Mm-hmm. Um, another thought, you are really unattractive. Your husband just tells you he thinks you're pretty because he has to, but he's fooling himself. (laughs) And I, of course, I knew you would adamantly deny that. But these are the thoughts that go into my head. And I know it's not true, but sometimes I believe them. What about this? Maybe some people can relate to this. This thought that Satan whispers to me, you are blind to a lot of your sin And you think you are right with God, but on judgment day, the rug will be pulled out from under your feet and you will realize you have been lost for all these years that you thought you were saved. Mm. Do you ever have that thought? I don't think I'm the only one. We have these doubts about our salvation and maybe I've got it all wrong. And it's, it's scary and it fills me with doubt and anxiety. You know, these are thoughts I have from time to time, and I have to battle these thoughts in my mind with Scripture. These thoughts have to set themselves up against the knowledge of God, and if I let them dwell in my head, they build strongholds there, like the Scripture says. I need to take them captive with prayer and Scripture and make them obedient to Christ. I have to find scriptures to tell me that these thoughts are not true. And then I have to pray to believe the scriptures, mm-hmm. not my own thoughts. Amen. It's hard work to do this, but it's how I fight these battles with the devil in my mind. See, these thoughts are destructive to your faith. They will lead to discouragement, depression, and faithlessness. You will begin to feel like God can't use you and you are worthless to him. This, I believe, is how Satan defeats a lot of good-hearted Christians. He may not get you through temptations of the world, but he can get you by attacking your value to God and getting you to doubt it. He did it to Jesus on the cross. Remember the, the taunts, let God rescue na- him now if he wants him. Satan tempted Jesus with the thought, maybe God doesn't want you. Mm. 
That that is scary and convicting to me. Yeah. We have to learn to recognize those attacks from the devil in our minds. Ask yourself, is what I'm thinking true according to scripture? If you aren't sure, look up some scriptures or ask for help. Yeah. Or tell someone your thoughts and ask if they seem true. And ask them to point you to some scriptures to help you make sense of it. If your thoughts are about someone else and what they think of you, talk to them about it if you can. Like if I have those thoughts about my myself and being attractive to my husband, I ask him. And I ask for reassurance. <laughs> he knows that quite quite a bit, actually. Yeah. Um, but then if you can't talk to to someone about what they might think, ask yourself, did this person actually do something to me or say something to me to make me think that that is true? Or did I just make that up in my mind? Because a lot of times I will make stuff up in my mind about what I think people are thinking about me, and it's totally not true. And it's attack. It's an attack of the devil. Mm-hmm. The evil one wants to do a number on us through our mental health, but we can defeat him there through prayer and through using scripture. Those are the weapons we have to fight with, but you do have to fight him. You cannot give up. You have to do something about it and fight with the weapons God gave us. Right. Yeah. He's a deceiver and he's an accuser. And um, this is a series on prayer and we're going to get to some more thoughts on prayer, but, but I do, you know, Lisa talked about scripture as well. And you do see that when Jesus in Matthew 4 was being attacked, tempted directly by the devil. He replied to every temptation by quoting scripture to the devil. So we're going to talk about prayer and how to pray through these things and pray for deliverance from the evil one. But guys, too many of us are just so weak when it comes to God's word being stored up in our hearts. We've got to have the word in our heart. It works in conjunction with our prayer. Let, let me show you this. We're still on the point about don't be unaware of our enemy. Let me read you one more verse on that, and then we'll go to go to our, our something else here. Daniel chapter 10 in verse 12. Listen to this. This is an angel speaking to Daniel. Then he continued, the angel continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain, under, to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time yet to come. This is crazy. Daniel had prayed three weeks earlier and this angel had been sent in response to his prayer, but the angel was detained in a spiritual battle with the prince of Persia. I think that is a demon of Satan. And Another angel, Michael, an archangel, had to come and help him break through the lines to get to Daniel to bring this vision and this answer to his prayer. This is wild stuff here, guys. There is spiritual warfare going on over 
our world and in our world and in our communities. It is real. But take note of this, and we can take heart in this. Prayer on our part is key. Daniel fasted, and he prayed, and Michael and this angel, they were sent. This is, this is the power of prayer. Our prayers is involved in these spiritual battles that are going on. Let's, let's look more at who's on our side. Let's go to, that's point two. Point one was don't be unaware of our enemy. Let's talk about do not be unaware of our allies. We have these angelic allies. <laughs> and we met a couple of them there in Daniel. But look at, listen to this story. Second Kings chapter six. I'm reading in verse 15. It says, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots has surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around wow. Elisha. Isn't this wild? Awesome. Chariots of fire surrounding the hills, you know, all around them. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. But at first, the servant of Elisha did not see them. Did you catch it? What enabled him to see the spiritual power on their side? Prayer. Elisha prayed, and then his eyes were opened. Perhaps we're not praying about the spiritual battle enough to see it. Not only to see our enemy, but also to see our allies. Revelation chapter 5, if you need more convincing, it says in verse 11, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. Thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousand. We can, we can be encouraged by this. Those who are with us are indeed more than those who are with them. Angels in scriptures are not little chubby babies with wings. <laughs> <laughs> they, they are mighty <laughs> heavenly beings that usually struck fear or wonder into the hearts of anyone who saw them. And the Bible tells us in Psalm 34 that the angel of the Lord encamps around us, mm. around those who fear him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. All right, so this is going to bring us into our third point here because it says the angel encamps around us. What do we need to do? Take refuge in God. We need to learn how to refuge in God. Mm. Our prayers are where we refuge in God, where we are strengthened for the battle. So point three and the final point here, do not abandon your post. Do not abandon your post. What is our post? What is our 
role in all of this? Well, I think we learned some things from Jesus. That's no wonder. He said in John 17, 15, he was praying. He said, my prayer is not that you take them out of this world, but that you protect them from the evil one. He prayed for our protection, our deliverance from the evil one. And he tells us in the Lord's Prayer that we need to pray for deliverance. Paul says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1, a lot of scripture today. He says, as for other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. And here it is, pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people. For not everyone has faith, but the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. We need to pray about these things so we can be strengthened and protected. We need to be at our post in prayer. We need to be praying mighty prayers regularly. I'm convicted even as I say these words. How many of my prayers are puny? Our prayers are meant to be part of this spiritual warfare. This is our post. We better be at our post. Listen to this. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth, buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Here's what I see in in Ephesians 6. One, you better suit up. Two, Pray, pray, pray. And then three, we got to keep on preaching. Paul talks about all this. We got to suit up in the armor of God. And then he talks at the end about we got to pray and pray and pray. And then he talks about just we got to keep on preaching. Our post, our, our job, we prepare, we pray, and we preach. Are you? Are we? Or have we abandoned our post? We need to prepare, and we pray, and we preach. Lisa, talk to us about this here. Yeah, um, this verse in Ephesians is one of my favorite verses, and um, it's 
I believe the first verse I ever memorized or section of really? verses I ever memorized. Um, my mom taught me uh, Ephesians 6, 10 through 17 when I was a little girl, probably seven or eight. Um, and she had me memorize it because I would get very scared at night going to sleep. And um, in my house, my bedroom was on the first floor, but my mom and dad and my brother slept upstairs. Mm. <laughs> and um, so I was all alone on the first floor, but then the way my bed was situated in my room, from lying down, I could look out my door and I always slept with the door open, but the door led down a long hallway and at the end was a doorway to the kitchen and the kitchen sat on facing the street. And when cars would drive by on the street, it would light up the kitchen, which would then light up the end of the hallway. And all kinds of shadows and tricks of light would happen <laughs> at the end of the hallway, right in my view. And um, I would get really scared and I would think I saw things and just this fear and anxiety would come would come over me at night. And um, so my mom taught me this verse and taught me to pray and taught me about the armor of God and just to give me some sense of of peace and protection. And um, it wasn't just a fairy tale that she was telling me. This was real. And it was something that I could put my faith in, that mm. I can pray and I can be dressed in the armor of God. Amen. I can have protection and the devil cannot hurt me and he won't get to me. And I remember praying sometimes with mm. tears as a child. <laughs> and I wouldn't just quote this verse. I memorized it, but I would, I would say this verse as a prayer to mm. God. And I, I remember crying sometimes because I was so afraid, but I would pray and I would put my trust in God. And what's interesting is that now my nine-year-old has has nightmares and mm. will frequently wake up saying he had a bad dream or he'll be really scared to go to sleep at night. And um, I don't know why uh, it, this seems to happen to certain children. Um, it happens more with Isaac than with my other two. But I have taught him this verse and um, I'm working with him on memorizing it and we talk about it every night before he goes to bed and we pray about it every night. And um you know, if you have if you have a child that has nightmares or fears at night, this verse is golden. Teach it to your children. Um, you know, I I do think that sometimes as adults we try to deny that the spiritual realm is real. Mm. We we kind of think maybe maybe it's not really there. We don't really like to talk about things like demons or the devil uh, because it's. It's something that we don't really understand and we can't quite grasp. We don't know enough about it. Um, and frankly, it's terrifying. And a lot of times it's just a lot easier to pretend it's not real right. and that it's not, that it's just doesn't exist. Yep. And um, we try to forget about it. Well, it doesn't fit with our modern scientific way of thinking about everything. Right. And it feels like weird. And again, it feels like believing in fairy tales or myths. Um, but the Bible talks about it enough that we should know and have conviction that there, yes. there are demons, there is a spiritual battle going on in the spiritual realm. We can't see it. Um, and, and yes, we don't, we don't totally understand it. And there's a lot that goes on that we don't understand. Yep. But it's even there, it's an issue of faith. And it's an issue that our prayers and the word of God 
are all powerful weapons against these forces in ways that we don't understand. But there is something about my childlike faith as a child that I did get it. Even though I didn't understand it fully, I understood that my prayers had power mm-hmm. and that they could protect me. And I that that I could pray and God would give me protection because of my prayer. But do we have that same kind of faith today when we pray? Do you believe when you pray that God will send the angels to protect you, that he will look out for you, that he will guard you as the, as the Psalms talk about, that he will protect you under his wings from attacks of the devil? Do we believe that? Do we put our faith in that? Mm. Yeah, I think this is a tough one. Sometimes some of us, sees Satan hiding under every rock at every turn, like the boogeyman. But then sometimes some of us act like he doesn't even exist. He's not even part of how we view our our, our life or our prayer life. And it's hard to know the truth about spiritual warfare because it's beyond what we can physically see. But we know spiritual warfare is real. And largely through prayer, we get suited up. And we go to battle. Last night, Lisa and I were watching this sci-fi show uh, called The Expanse. Pretty cool show. And 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 they're in outer space. And they were uh, trapped uh, under enemy fire. One of the soldiers managed to sneak off and get into her Martian battle armor. <laughs> and, and she comes back. And once she was suited up in her armor, she was able to just take out their enemies, you know, no problem and rescue everybody else. That's how it is. I mean, we're up against some serious enemies. Once we get suited up and we learn to pray powerful prayers of spiritual deliverance, we're going to be able to take out the enemy so much, (laughs) so much better. We have a choice. We can avail ourselves of the mighty power of God, or we can cede influence to Satan. How does this happen? I think it's primarily through the patterns of choices that we make. I don't credit every bad thing in my life to Satan. I recognize that there are multiple levels or arenas at play. You know, first there's my body, my physical body. I may be dealing with illness, tiredness, or some kind of hormonal thing, or a diet thing, or hunger. (laughs) That can affect me. Then there's my mind. What have I been thinking about? Worry. Have I been watching the news or Facebook more than my Bible? Who am I listening to in my mind? There's my choices, uh, you know, in my spirit, in my, in my, the way I live out my life? Have I been self-focused or have I been serving others? Have I been giving in to anger or lust or selfishness or have I been confessing and staying open? And then there's more, right? There's more levels. There's my environment, my genetics, okay? There's all these levels and arenas at play. It's not everything that happens is, oh, oh, blame Satan. I mean, there's a lot of things going on. But I believe Satan is able somehow to seize opportunities at each of these levels when my defenses are weakened. So notice my choices and, and my 
one of my biggest choices is to stay in prayer. My choices are very influential. But Satan seems to be able to gain influence in my life when my defenses are weak, when I've made bad choices, when I'm not walking in the Spirit through powerful prayer. Maybe I am sick in my body. Maybe my mind is worried or distracted or angry or something is going on. He sees these as opportunities, chinks in my armor. But I still have a choice. I have influence. Our free will is quite powerful. But then there are these times where I've been trying to learn to recognize when a, a real genuine spiritual attack is happening. For example, sometimes Lisa in our you know in our marriage an argument will come on that's like totally out of the blue, right? And it can quickly bring on strong feelings for both of us that are out of proportion to the issue of the moment. Now sometimes we have a fight an argument and it's like obvious that you know this had been building up for a while, but sometimes it's like man we were doing good and this just came on. And then I'm, I've come to realize, wow, we might be under attack right now. Sometimes, like I'm about to go preach or teach, and all of a sudden I just feel exhausted or terribly unmotivated and apathetic for no apparent reason. I've come to realize that's often an attack of the devil. Often for me, at the end of the day, when I, I've been out doing some work and I come home for dinner and bedtime with the kids— and it's, it's the few precious hours I have with them. And all of a sudden, I find myself like struggling with anger and impatience and distraction. I've come to realize that's often a spiritual attack. Uh, we've, we've learned that whenever we're going on a vacation, we need to be extra prayerful because in our mind, it's just going to be a time that like Satan will take a vacation too, but he doesn't. He loves to ruin special family vacations or holidays. So we have to, we surround those times with prayer. Often, if I feel a steady stream of anxiety or depression or anger that's lasting through a whole day or a week or a season, I may have bought into some of Satan's lies. Maybe I've allowed him, as the Bible says, do not give the devil a foothold. Maybe I've allowed him to get more than a foothold. Maybe I've given him, like, <laughs> maybe he's set up camp and he's hanging out in my mind, in my heart, maybe even, you know, checked out a room in our house. So when I realize that these things are going on, I'm learning to break that bond, break that agreement, resist him and he will flee. James chapter four, verse seven says, so what do I do? I pray. I bring in Jesus and his mighty power. And I pray, God, deliver us. Deliver me. When people I love are under attack, I pray that God will deliver them. Any power that Satan has gained over them, even if it was through their choices, I pray that it will be broken in the name of Jesus. I bring Jesus, my captain and commander, I bring him into the battle. I suit up in prayer and we get to work in prayer. Guys, I hope that this series has been helpful. As I shared earlier, what I've been learning is that each and every one of these lines of the Lord's Prayer is something that a category of prayer that Jesus felt was 
important enough for him to include here. And if we're neglecting in our prayer life to work through these things and pray mightily through these things in prayer, well, then we're probably not fully suited up. We're learning to be prayer warriors, not prayer wimps. To have powerful prayer, not puny prayer. Let's close out listening to our brother David, one of the greatest prayer warriors of the Bible. Listen as he prays for deliverance from his enemies in Psalm 68. And let's let's interpret this prayer as a prayer of deliverance from the evil one. This is a mighty prayer. Psalm 68, may God arise. May his enemies be scattered. May his foes flee before him. May you blow them away like smoke as wax melts before the fire. May the wicked perish before God, but may the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. I'm going to skip around a little bit. It says, The chariots of God are tens of thousands and thousands of thousands. The Lord has come from Sinai into his sanctuary. Praise be the Lord to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. Our God is a God who saves. From the sovereign Lord comes escape from death. Surely God will crush the heads of his enemies, the hairy crowns of those who go on in their sins. Summon your power, God. Show us your strength, our God, as you have done before. Proclaim the power of God. Dear brothers and sisters, I'm at the end. I'm in verse 34 now. I'm skipping around. We need to proclaim this power of God in our prayers. Invoke the name of Jesus. Call upon his power in your life, in your family, in your loved ones. Proclaim the power of God whose majesty is over Israel, whose power is in the heavens. You, God, are awesome in your sanctuary. The God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. Praise be to God. Now that is a prayer for deliverance. Let's learn to pray like this. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. the Lord today, for He is all my hope and stay. Our God is good, His name is great, hallelujah.